0: You are listening to episode 94 of the Game Deflators Podcast. My name's John, and this week I'm joined by the Next to Nothing Podcast with Danic and Mr. Green. Danic, you've heard the episodes. What do we like to talk about in the Game Deflators Podcast?
1: On the Game Deflators podcast, we like to talk about games we recently picked up, games we are currently playing, and this week we take on hordes of demons invading from hell in this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge.
0: Dude, probably one of the best intros we've had. I might have to fire Ryan, get him on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's not here, so he can't speak for himself. I don't know where he's at. He said he's out of town. So uh, all right, man. So obviously we like to talk about the games that we've recently picked up. So I'll give it a start. You guys can kind of get the flow of this and uh let us know what you've picked up. So for this week, I actually uh, I had one game pickup, but I had a really interesting pickup as well. I grabbed the Final Fantasy One, Two, and Three Memory of Heroes book. Uh, I thought it was a graphic novel, but it turns out it's just a novel. So I guess I'll be reading that at some point soon to check it out. And I also picked up Ease Eight on the Nintendo Switch. So I've been looking at this game for quite a while. It's obviously part of the Ease game series and I've got like Ease 7, I've got um, the one that recently came out on PS4 which is a, a Vita remake or Vita remaster um, I'm looking to get Ease 9 and then I have various Ease games from uh, before uh, Switch and PS4 and uh, I had to bite the bullet man, it was like $84 <laughs> it was not Whoa. a pleasant pickup in terms of value but I mean the game's floating at like 120 130 on various consoles and some guy in Canada had it for like 99 Canadian and nine bucks shipping, which came with like 84 us. So I was like, all right, it's like $30 lower than every other listing. I kind of just have to get it at this point. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so that was my big pickup this week. Um, I'll look to play ease at some point in the future, but you know how it is, man, with, with games and a rarity and, you know, are they going to, you know, release another copy of ease down the road? Number eight, is it going to come out, you know, in a, a ps5 version down the road who knows so it's like let me just pick it up now the money's gone 10 years from now i'm never even gonna notice it all right so uh dana k did you have any uh pickups this week man
1: not really the only thing i picked up was the ios port of uh the game we'll talk about for the inflation deflation challenge um i've been without power and internet for a little bit so trying to find games and like pickups have been a little strange i uh kind of got to the point where I was really diving deep into my uh, hard drive to see what games I had (laughs) installed. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just returned to Skyrim for the umpteenth time in my life. So (laughs) that's the only (laughs) thing I've been able to do.
0: Jeez, man. Uh, Mr. Green, before we get to you, uh, I'm just going to mention that on the episode today, so you had mentioned the pickup, so I'll bring it up now. We actually played Doom this week uh, for the Inflation Deflation Challenge. We all had... I don't know if Mr. Green played it on PC or not, but I played it on Super Nintendo, The Danike played it on mobile, and then I hope Mr. Green played it on PC uh, because it'll go really well with some of the articles we're talking about. Uh, those articles today are gonna be Epic Games being sued by Coral Castle, uh, and that is by ABG Gaming. Uh, we'll have an article on the Xbox Series S uh, performing reportedly at 3.9 teraflops. We'll, we'll get into that. And we'll also be talking about mobile versus PC versus console gaming, which one is better. So uh, a little bit on that more to come, but for now, Mr. Green, what did you have for your pickups?
2: Um, I actually picked up uh, several games actually, but the most recent one I picked up was Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Links on Steam. Um, and I ported it over with my phone. I've been playing that every every so often um i mean it, it's pretty well generated from like the the phone side to to pc it's you know just a port um but it, it's a good time killer um especially that since i've already had uh stuff like progress on my phone and then able to just link it to a certain account um yeah, and then you get to play with friends and stuff like that as well. I, I mean, I've, I've been kicking Danny's ass. You and your stupid Red Eyes deck. <laughs> I, mean,
0: I, I haven't played Yu-Gi-Oh! in so long, but uh, I think we mentioned on your episode too, we were talking about some Yu-Gi-Oh! where it was just like I used to run an old Exodia deck with a pot of greed and the Gravediggers and all that stuff to just you know, pop things out on turn 3 to kill people. It was fantastic. I remember those days pretty, pretty well. Yeah, old school, old school Yu-Gi-Oh.
1: <laughs> like uh going into like the casual matchmaking, I like a couple weeks ago, I finally had the first person play solitaire on me just to summon Exodia. <laughs> it was like a little <laughs> ridiculous. I sat there for like 5 minutes on turn 1. This guy had turn 1 and just summoned Exodia right out of his deck. I'm like, "Uh, thanks for wasting my time, <laughs> you scrub." <laughs> Uh that's actually been a game I've been playing uh, um a lot like this week because I have cellular data just not internet after uh some storms hit my uh town so <laughs> it's I've been playing a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Links this week too.
0: Jeez. Uh, miss green any other games?
2: You said you had a few. Um the other one that I picked up was like uh, uh, Among Us which I, I played a little bit about of, of uh it's like a deception style game where a, a few people at your party are trying to sabotage you uh as a group as a whole and that one's pretty fun it's like it's super small like a super small game um like you could run that thing on a potato
0: <laughs> is um, it uh is it kind pretty, of one of those visual is it one of those like visual
2: novels uh no it's like a like you're like a little astronaut on a spaceship but it's like a low res like it, it's like a Fall Guys. Like the Fall Guys uh, beans, but not as detailed.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, so, that, that could run on a potato.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think the download was only like maybe three gigs. Really? It's super oh, wow. small. I'd have to look at it, but uh, it was it was small. It took me like five minutes to download.
0: I was going to say, if you were like 20 kilobytes, that could be like, all right, cool. It fits on a floppy disk, but yeah. Uh. Um, okay, so before we jump into what we're currently playing, just want to remind folks that you can catch the Game Deflators podcast on thegamedeflators.com, of course. And then uh, the podcast itself on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Podbean, Podcast Addict, anywhere podcasts are fine, you can find us there. And of course, social media at the Game Deflators for Facebook and Instagram and at Game Deflators on Twitter because they just don't like the word the. Uh, uh, Danica, if you want to let us know where folks can find a next to nothing podcast.
1: Yeah, so Next to Nothing, the podcast can be found live on Twitch, on twitch.tv slash Danny K, D-A-N-I-E-C-A-E. That's live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. You can find us on YouTube under Danny K Media, spelled the exact same way. You can find uh, Next to Nothing also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and everywhere else podcasts are found.
0: Sounds good, man. Thanks for that. Uh, of course, look for both podcasts on those applications, and uh, we hope to have some new listeners down the road. Uh, okay, so let's get into some of what we're currently playing. This is, you know, the fun area right now before we jump in those articles and start screwing around. Uh, I am currently playing Shadow of Memories on the PlayStation 2 with my wife. Uh, so I think, as you guys know, um, I've talked about it on previous episodes and I talked about it on your episode when we were on there. Uh, my wife and I have at least, like, one game that we play together on a consistent basis. So uh, one of the games we just beat recently was Ukulele and the Impossible Layer, which that layer was nearly impossible. uh, Hence why I beat the nearly impossible layer. And we decided to play Shadow Memories next for some strange ass reason. That's what we decided on. Uh, The other game I'm playing right now is Ghost of Tsushima. Uh, So I've been playing that for quite a while. I just jumped back into it this week. I'm on the third act of that game and uh, it's phenomenal. Like I just... Cannot get enough of this game. The graphics are great. The overall storyline so far is great. The side quests are great Uh, You know, you find yourself capturing pictures for 20 minutes in a certain area of all the filters that they have It's just it's incredible. Like I absolutely love it And there's a reason it is the highest rated or user rated game on Metacritic this generation Uh, So it's a phenomenal game Uh, You guys have anything that you're currently playing this week outside of Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Links? (laughs)
1: Uh, like I mentioned Skyrim, uh, I've <clears throat> just been doing this pretty chill Zen playthrough, uh, cause I've already played Skyrim. I've done almost all the quests at this point. So I just decided, you know, what, I'm going to load in, I'm just going to go around the map and pick flowers and hunt deer. That's been my <laughs> playthrough of this, this time around, just something to, you know, I can waste hours on.
0: Yeah. I mean, that, that sounds actually pretty legit just kind of sitting back and be like all right i'm just gonna hunt deer yeah like, like yeah that's that's not a bad idea actually
1: i got out of helgen and i'm like okay i'm just a- going to ignore every other quest like i haven't even gone through bleak's uh was a bleak falls barrows um the 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 mage in white run keeps yelling at me he's like i thought you were supposed to be at the barrows <laughs> the yarl and i are not patient men <laughs> just like eh, I'm going to go kill an elk. (laughs) I'll be, I'll be back in white run after I kill a couple elks so I can make some armor and sell that. Um, flowers. Ooh, flowers. Exactly. Yeah. I get in more trouble just by picking flowers (laughs) than anything else. (laughs) Shiny pots and
0: pans in this old lady's house after I pick her garden.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh It's, uh, it's been a good time. It's been really chill. I've surprisingly been enjoying it. Um, more than more than I thought, because it was just like a actual desperation thing. I'm like, I'm tired of broadcast television right now. I t- I've cleaned my apartment five times. Let me see what's so, on the hard
0: drive. So this week on the Game Deflators podcast, we talk about a retired adventurer who picks uh, flowers and kills elk in the world of Skyrim.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, anything else? I mean, you obviously played a little Doom. We'll get into that. Yeah. And uh, dual Links. That's about it for this week. Yeah, that's been about it. Sweet, Mr. Green. We got your Dual Links. We got your Among Us that you played a little bit. Anything else that you've got on the uh, the docket for the week that you're playing,
2: or maybe something you're looking forward to playing this week? I am constantly playing FPS games, so uh, my main my main game so far has been uh, Call of Duty Warzone, which I I absolutely I absolutely hate it. I hate it so much, but it's so fun i hate it it's god awful it's the worst experience but i'm glutton for punishment
0: so Um, what what makes it so bad i mean i don't i don't play a lot of fps anymore uh main reason being i'm kind of like you in a sense of i'll get like you know stuck to it and just will not stop playing
2: mm -hmm. so what's so bad about it well it's a battle royale game um and it's more of like the balancing of the guns and then the, the players so like it what the map is so large that it really um promotes camping and i'm not much for a camper like i i, I like that's one thing that i uh, very much dislike in a battle royale fps game uh, just because like I, i've always got to be constantly on the move a lot of people will hide in buildings like for a whole game and they'll kill you and you'll be their only kill for that whole match and I don't understand how that's fun definitely not fun for me
0: definitely not fun for you especially when you see that that replay of a sniper hitting you from a Mm -hmm. building and that's it yeah I I stopped playing Call of Duty a long time ago and uh, I think it was Modern Warfare 2 was the last one I played and it was just kind of the same thing, man. I just absolutely hated the camping perspective, and it drove me nuts. That and uh, C4, that that was always an issue back then, blowing up cars and C4 explosives on corners when you walk by. It just pissed me off enough that I'm like, I'm done, no more. Now, I'll play like, you know, uh, the old-school type of bot first-person shooters where you're in a round and you've just got bots going around, and it's. I think that's fun, but I don't know of any recent games that have done bots within their... Their FPS.
2: I know Call of Duty, you can. Yeah, yeah. set it up to where. And they have a spec ops too, where you and three other guys can go in and uh essentially fight AI and like this story driven, like mini campaign, which is pretty cool.
0: Yeah, that's the type of thing I like, man. Plus, it gets away from the whole like having to deal with other people on the internet and 12 year olds telling you they're going to screw Classic. your mom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah straight up like the most toxic environment ever so i i don't miss it in the slightest now dark souls online i could do because i don't have to actually talk to anybody they just do weird hand things and dances so it's not too bad <laughs> okay guys so uh let's jump into our articles this week Uh, As we all know, Epic is in the process of suing Apple over the whole thing of Apple, taking Epic's uh, Fortnite application off of the Apple App Store. Google did the same thing, uh, but really the the battle is kind of focused on Apple uh, and their 30% cut that they like to have on uh, games that are in that store. So a little more background on that. uh, With Apple having that 30% cut, epic decided we're going to go ahead behind apple's back and we are going to devise a way so that we don't have to have a cut taken out of what we get paid in our v bucks so apple didn't like that said you broke our tos and you're kicked off so that is the backstory on vat and then in comes coral castle from miami dade florida and uh coral castle for anybody that doesn't know was built in like the twenties and opened up in the fifties or sixties by some guy that decided to make his like, uh, kind of own Stonehenge in a way uh, within Florida. And it's the weirdest thing. Like I've seen it uh, going through Florida in the past and it's definitely an odd sight to see. And so Epic uh, having in their Fortnite game uh, a specific level called Coral Castle uh, and it, kind of looks weird. So I guess Coral Castle's owners said, well, hey, it's called Coral Castle. It looks weird. Our thing looks weird. So we're going to go ahead and create a lawsuit on this. Uh, So I'll give my quick opinion here and then I'll turf it off to you guys. I honestly think this is more of a publicity stunt from Coral Castle, given the epidemic, and maybe not getting enough money flowing in. They had to do something to put their name on the map, and this does it. Uh, it definitely gets you thinking, what the hell is Coral Castle? Do I need to go see Coral Castle? And does it look like Coral Castle from Fortnite? Let me see with my own eyes. So I don't see this being a, a lawsuit that's going to favor Coral Castle. I think it's a waste of money in the long term, but I guess no news is bad news in, in that sense of the word. So K. Okay? What's uh, I'll turn off to you first. What's your thought on that?
1: Yeah, I I agree. I think this is definitely kind of a publicity stunt. Um, There's not like a lot of the articles that I saw that were talking about this pointed to the similarities of, you know, walls and like half built castles and all these beach motifs and the name. Uh, I can't see this much more than anything other than a publicity stunt. I don't really think there's much to the case here because anyone can build a castle on a shore and have all sorts of beach motifs are they going to sue uh you know disney for the little mermaid in you know the castle with all the beach motifs in it i don't think so uh it just seems like they're kind of capitalizing on Fortnite's popularity but that's just kind of me
0: well vada and you got epic on the ground right now and a lot of people are saying well epic's the little guy in this uh, with the whole battle if you know with apple so it's like well we're coral castle we're going to come in and kick epic in the ankle and hope we get something out of it like that's kind of where i would see this going in the long run it's it's not a battle that coral castle is going to win i mean you got what 18.5 billion dollar company or 16 billion whatever it is in epic probably has tons and tons of lawyers on their team and here's coral castle's little you know drive by sightseeing location in the middle of uh florida I, i just i don't see it happening at all Anything else on that? I think Mr. Green uh, will be back in a moment. Oh, there he is. Mr. Green, what are your thoughts on Coral Castle and uh, their lawsuit towards Epic?
2: Uh, yeah, I think it's a, a publicity it's not for sure, uh, you know, especially since, it, as you said, with the pandemic and everything happening right now, uh, not a lot of places like uh, touristy sightseeing places have been getting a lot of business. So, I mean, it's a pretty good... A way to get publicity for sure
0: yeah i guess even if you don't open after the uh, pandemic's done it's like all right cool let's uh let's go to coral castle let's go check it out
2: now it'd be interesting to see if i could actually if they actually have grounds for it
0: yeah and i i, I mean that article by uh, abg gaming uh does state that there was a, a big lawsuit a long time ago with like Lindsay lohan or something mm-hmm. and that um just the outcome of that at least, I wouldn't say bodes well for Coral Castle, but gives them a glimmer of hope that something's going to happen. What I'm really hoping for is that a year from now, 12-year-olds go to Coral Castle with axes in their hand, trying to make wood.
1: <laughs> Coral Castle just no longer exists because everyone just came in with pickaxes trying to gather resources.
0: Yeah, you're just going to just gonna see Coral Castle is now just a bunch of pallets kind of laid out. <laughs> build, they built something new. Something new, a new castle made of wood and love. <laughs> do you uh, do you play? Do you guys play Fortnite at all or no?
1: I I touched it a little bit when I first started picking up Steam, and I haven't really touched it since.
2: Uh, I have played it a few times. I absolutely hate it. Okay, good. You guys can
0: still stay on the podcast. <laughs> all right. So the next <laughs> the next article we're going to talk about, and Mister Green, I'll turn this over to you first. Um, so the Xbox Series S is reportedly. Uh, 3.9 teraflops. So, to give folks just a little bit of background before we jump into you here, uh, what is a teraflop? Well, flops measure uh, equations involving floating point numbers that a processor can solve in one second. So, theoretically, the more flops you have, the better graphics and the faster your devices are. Uh, based on that, um, you know, when you look at the the overall teraflops that a ps4 pro has it's at like 4.1 teraflops so this is reportedly weaker than the ps4 pro currently uh mr green i know you're probably a little more savvy on the computer tech side of things so uh let me hear your thoughts on that and that report
2: now what i'm thinking is that this is like a, a smaller version it of is yeah X4. yeah uh which i mean it it would be like a lower lower grade beginner pc um, I know that they were reporting for the full size uh, series s they were it's gonna be like 12 12 or 14 teraflops it's 12 teraflops on that one on the base model yeah so I mean if it, if you're planning on playing games how you've been playing now um, then I don't think it would be that much of a, a difference um, when you need like heavy processing power that would be more for like if you want to play 4k at 60 frames per second but if if you're just like uh wanting to play you know your, your normal Fortnite at 1080p you know at 60 frames that that in itself would be perfectly fine. Um, I think it's more geared to the people who don't want to spend as much money on like a brand new full size one. Um, and for the people who aren't necessarily gonna need all that graphics power, like if someone who's not able to buy like a brand new 4k 55 inch tv or even like a monitor because even monitors at uh like a 24 inch 4k monitor is over 400 dollars. so um i think it, it will really affect like the budget end um and it'll be actually interesting to see if a uh, playstation responds with something like that because if uh if they don't i mean that would um definitely uh put in favor for Xbox when they're buying the new system.
0: Yeah. That was a thought of mine as well. You know, when you bring that up with PlayStation's answer to it, so the PlayStation five is going to have, um, you know, a a disc disc less version, uh, really, but it's going to maintain the same power as a standard PS five. So from a price point comparison, uh, the PS five, no matter what is going to be priced higher than that, uh, you know, really condensed version, I guess you could say, of in the Xbox series S. uh, Danica, your thoughts on it?
1: I don't really have a ton of thoughts on it. Uh, I struggle with the teraflops as a as a measurement and like contextualizing that and stuff. I I haven't looked at at consoles probably in the four or five years at all. Uh, So, yeah, I have no real bearing or or comment really to leave on this.
0: Gotcha. I'm trying to pull up the. uh, So somebody posted up. It was uh, at Tom Warren. Uh, he put up the overall specs so uh, right now what it's showing is the xbox series s 4 teraflops uh, 10 gigabyte uh, uh, ddr6 ram Uh, we're looking at 1440p 60 frames per second no disk drive and let's see if there's anything else and then plays all xbox one games supports 360 og xbox games and next gen support Um, Now, here's where it's interesting, though, is when you look at the Xbox Series X, 12.15 teraflops. We're looking at 4K and 60 frames per second with 8K gaming. Uh, And then it also shows on here, which is really interesting when you kind of read the fine print, uh, plays all Xbox One games, supports Xbox 360, OG Xbox games, Xbox Series X exclusives. So when you think about that, the backwards compatibility component, with Xbox Series S. What does that mean when it says next-gen support, but then the other part says Xbox Series X exclusives? Are not all Series X exclusives going to be playable on this uh, Series S? Uh, You know, that's kind of where my mind goes on that. So you've got this like slimmed down version. Let's just say it hits the market at $200. I honestly think in in that case, Microsoft is kind of preying on those that don't know any better and are thinking, cool, I got the new Xbox, but then they find out two years from now, oh, by the way, your Series S isn't going to be able to play this game like it just has support for some next gen games. That's kind of where my my mind goes on that. You guys uh, think that might be the case or is that just overthinking it? I
2: think it could happen. Wouldn't put it I, past I, them. I wouldn't put it past them like, oh, you got the, the cheaper version, but you probably should have got the more expensive version if you wanted to play all the Series X games. Like Halo 7. What are they on on Halo they keep switching think, names on me i think this is the uh, is this seven, seven? sixth i think this is the sixth one
0: i don't know man with OGST and reach and whatever oh, else yeah those have. are
2: like those are like off off uh offline like uh not from the main i gotcha storyline so like halo 5 was like i think it was the last one with a uh, master chief and then um Uh, spartan lock i think so
0: i gotta get back into those so i just picked up a 360 uh not too long ago which shows where i'm at with xbox and how much i care about it (laughs) and uh i gotta get back into playing the uh the halo games
2: that's something i want to definitely get back into halo 3 was the best halo game Uh, you can at me on twitter i don't care halo 3 was the best one
0: no man i i agree with you so add us both Uh, halo 3 was a ton of fun I enjoyed the multiplayer on that a lot more than any other game. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it kind of, for me, it really stopped it there. I haven't played a Halo since Halo 3. Outside of, you know, some multiplayer and, and watching other people play it, I haven't really like dove into it and played a full-blown story. Uh and any thoughts on, um, you know, Microsoft and maybe their motives down the road of screwing people over with these non-exclusives?
1: I think the I think the main goal... It for for Microsoft is to get people in the walled garden and specifically for their streaming service that we know the uh, Xbox game cloud. Um, that's coming down the path, I think that the support for the this half support for exclusives is going to come down to you well if you really want to play you can stream it from the Xbox game cloud if you have the series s instead of the series X.
0: Uh, and we'll, su- and we'll support it, but it's not going to be at that 4k that you really want. It's going to be limited. So you want the full experience, you got to come home to the bigger console.
1: Yeah, that I think I think and I, I I really do think Microsoft's goal for this generation, and probably for the future is to get people on the on the x cloud gaming service, this stream service. Uh cool.
0: Go ahead. That and general adoption of their console. I mean, they got completely destroyed this past de- generation between Nintendo and Sony, and they got to they gotta pick it up. So obviously we've seen a lot of acquisitions of smaller studios and even larger studios like Obsidian and, um, you know, and what is it, Team Ninja as well. So really, or Ninja Theory, I think. So really at this point, they're going all in. You know, I think and I told Brian a while back, if Microsoft does not succeed this console generation, this will be the last Xbox. I cannot see them continuing on with a console that's not producing like they want it to produce.
1: Do you think at that point they're just going to continue uh, really promoting the the game streaming software and then also trying to sell PC more?
0: Yep, I I would think that that's going to be their bread and butter down the road. I just cannot see them you know, saying, hey, look, we sold another 40 million consoles, but Sony's sitting here at 120 million, you know, year in a year out. We're getting blown out by Nintendo every year as well. And, you know, the amount of money they're putting in to develop these things, the marketing, uh, you know, the time and effort that it takes, I just cannot see Microsoft continuing on with a hardware um, and pushing down the market versus, like you said, the streaming service, focusing on the games, really getting people towards PC, because if you think hey, I want to do xCloud. Well, I need to buy a PC or or a Mac, obviously. But say I buy a PC. Well, how am I going to run that? I need to have the Microsoft OS, you know, to go on that, unless I'm running Linux or something. So, I mean, there's there's upsale too, right? So, you're going to have other things that they can sell you within that PC down the road that aren't even game related. So, at the end of the day, it's kind of this like cohesive, you know, revenue stream for them. Just say, we're going to do it all on PC. And mm-hmm. they can even have, like, PCs that go in the market that are optimized specifically for, you know, games. I mean, hey, you could do everything else you want, but you've also got this PC. It doesn't have to be called Xbox. It could be just a PC line that they have.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, I've talked about it on our show before, but, like, if Microsoft wants to hire me so I could, like, give them the idea to make a modular Xbox to where you can swap out parts from it. That would make them a killing.
0: Well, I may or may not have Microsoft connections.
2: Hey. So, <laughs> yeah, if they because uh, the NUX have been uh, making headway this past uh, um, t- uh, trade shows. Like earlier or later last year, they were, had like the Razer Tomahawk, I think, where the, it was all modular NUX. And I was saying before that, before they really like showed that off, that that's what the console should do because they could extend the life of one console. They don't have to keep redesigning every, you know, five to 10 years. All they'd have to do is, you know, get better parts in those nuts and like sell them individually. And then people can buy those like even yearly, like GPU advancements happen every year. So if they if they did that every year and sold like a GPU a NUC GPU it's fully modular they just slide out of their Xbox and put a new one in they would make a killing on hardware
0: oh for sure man like and that's so consumer friendly at that point as well I mean it doesn't take a lot of technical savvy to sit back and say I'm gonna slide this out of my Xbox and pop in a new version of that same part like it's yeah just press yeah. a button and pull out yeah, yeah. that's what she said okay. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so uh, let's go into our next article here. Uh, mobile versus PC versus console gaming, which is best? So I'm going to open this up on my end, but uh, this is really a great article. that details um, the pros and cons of each format of gaming, and uh, we'll get into it in a bit with our inflation deflation. Uh, but for me personally, I've always preferred console gaming. It's just the way I have it set up. Like right now, I've got a computer in my room or my games, my game area and a couple monitors, but I work here all the time. So having to sit here and play games just doesn't appeal to me, uh, versus going out on my couch or going into a guest bedroom and sitting back and playing a game there, uh, laying down. And then uh, before we move on to, um, I didn't call out the. Uh, authors of all those articles before. So our first one, Epic Games being sued by Coral Castle, is Ollie S of Any Button Gaming. Uh, the Xbox Series S article is by Lewis White of Microsoft Power User. And then this one is Tony Brown of Game Space. Uh, so uh, Dan and K will turf this one off to you first. Uh, console versus mobile versus PC. Which one do you think is better and
1: why? So for myself personally, I'm a PC player mainly. Um, I started getting into PC uh, gaming right after high school because I needed a computer to do all sorts of high-intensity schoolwork. Uh, I majored in media production, so I needed something to do uh, video production and audio and all that stuff. Uh, so I needed a PC that could handle that, and it just kind of also became a gaming rig as well. Uh, other than that, like I do a lot of gaming on the phone as well, uh, a lot of time wasters, a lot of time killers. I also find phone gaming for like card games and some other, you know, like RPGs and stuff to be very enjoyable as well. Um, but overall for me, mostly PC and then some on my phone.
0: And hey, Mr. Green, where are you at on this whole battle?
2: Personally, I'm a PC player, um, especially with, the you know, attempting eventually in the future to be full-time, uh, streaming. Um, uh, so I I built a PC about, uh, I want to say, it's been over a year now, year and a half. Um, I used to be playing uh, mainly on PS4. Um, And then when I actually got into streaming on Twitch, uh, I built or I I was using a computer to stream my PlayStation 4 gameplay. But then I'm like, I'm just going to make the switch to PC and go full-time PC player um i still have love for console um i just i respect mobile players like um especially with like the new streaming services that are coming out like uh, nvidia geforce where you can play pc games on your phone um but for me it's pc
0: nice and so uh you know in this article um Tony Brown actually calls out for mobile gaming uh, some of the benefits, right? So I'll I'll jot those down and we can talk about those a little bit. Uh, So mobile gaming benefits, obviously it's portable, it's accessible, very cheap games, some of them being free with obviously buy-ins on the game itself. And then uh, a diverse range of game types. So, I mean, you've got RPGs, card games, like Dana Kay said, but you've also got stuff like Candy Crush and visual storytelling games and uh, strategy games. Anything you can think of is generally going to be on a mobile game. Uh, for PC, the benefits are obviously highest available performance, which nobody can deny that. Uh, cheaper games than console, 100%. When you're on Steam and you got that summer sale, yeah, it's there's no beating at that point outside of maybe mobile gaming. And then uh, customizable and upgradable, of course. And then multiple uses, as Danny K said. So you got word processing and video editing on there. We're obviously running a podcast off of one. So it's it's got a lot of benefits. And then console gaming uh, being the last one here, it's very accessible, easy to get your hands on, uh, simple to use, relatively cheap to get started pending what you're getting. Next gen, probably not so much if those reports of $600 are true. And then uh, requires very little technical know-how and console exclusive games. Uh, The only thing I would ping on that though with console exclusive games is I'm fairly certain over the years I have seen PC exclusive games, not necessarily called out as exclusive, but the fact that they don't hit consoles. So in my mind, there's a lot of exclusives on the PC in that in that way. Do you guys have any thoughts on those on those points or those benefits that were mentioned? Anything that really called out to you that you would kind of peg as wrong or definitely 100 percent right?
1: Danica, Uh, the the idea of console exclusives, I don't know if those are necessarily a good thing Mm -hmm. uh, because consoles is an umbrella. Right. That includes the Nintendo Switch. That includes Xbox one. That includes PS4, it includes whatever's coming up next in the family of those, of those companies. Uh, so, I mean, if you get into, like, if you buy a PlayStation 4 or the upcoming PlayStation 5, you're not gonna be able to play the Switch exclusives. So I don't know if the console exclusives are necessarily a pro or a benefit to console gaming. I do agree with all the other aspects of, you know, they're very simple, um, they are relatively cheap, and they come with a lot of good bundles. Uh, and they require very little technical know-how. You just need to, you know, run an HDMI cable into HDMI port one of your TV from the box and also make sure the power is plugged in and you're good. Um, it's not like you have to build the PC itself and then make sure that you have all of the USBs for all your keyboards and mice connected. And, um, you know, if you have external sound card or whatever else, you know, it doesn't require all that. It just requires plugging in a couple of cables.
0: Yeah, good points, man. Mr. Green, anything on that? Any of those points uh, or benefits that you would disagree
2: with? I'm going to bounce off Danny and say that, well, technically you could if you bought a budget PC or like a built PC already, pre-built, um, from like a DIY PC or um, iBuyPower or something like that. Um, so, there, I mean, it, you don't necessarily have to build a PC I I think it's better to build your own PC, but there are a lot of companies out there that will build those PCs for you and have it ready to go.
0: So that's actually something I'm looking to do uh, down the road because I want to get this my current setup set up not only for uh, podcasting and and video editing and such down the road as we have some some different plans we want to do, but also gaming uh, because there are a lot of games on PC I'd want to give a shot to, especially with the the Xbox um, or the Series X Cloud uh, or xCloud, really, that's coming out. I want to be able to play some of his Xbox games, but I don't want to put towards the money to get an Xbox console as well as a PC. So there's websites out there. From what I understand, you're just saying that I can give them every part that I want. They'll build it out, assuming for a convenience fee, and then send it out.
2: Yeah, uh, like I know Zydac is a good one, as well as NZXT. If I had to recommend one, it'd be NZXT, hashtag Not sponsored um, just because um, they actually build the parts, like they, they take the parts, build it for you. Um, whereas like I buy power and the, the like the cheaper budget pre-built ones, um, they have like a certain series that they put together and they generally try to save money on certain parts to um, you know, so they can get that profit margin um, versus like NZXT or Zydac that actually piece the parts together and they charge you like a building fee and stuff like that.
0: Gotcha pretty affordable on uh, NZxt.
2: That's relatively. It'd be uh, I mean a few hundred dollars more than what you would do if you built the PC on your own. Gotcha. but
0: in that case, you kind of get rid of the frustration if you haven't built a PC before and obviously you know it's been built correctly. And I assume yeah. is
2: there any sort of warranty that they do on those? PCs? I believe so. yeah, I believe so. yeah. um my my friend uh, high big, so that's how he did his uh, his build. he he went through NZXT.
0: I'm gonna so. look into that, man. That's
2: a, that's a good rack. So like I said, oh. I've been looking to-
0: Origin get... PC is another one as well. Origin PC,
2: okay, cool. It is do custom yeah. PCs like custom, custom, like custom cases, different colors and stuff like that.
0: Nice, yeah, I do wanna, I mean, it's not like I don't have the technical savvy to put one together, it's more or less the time needed and the fact that there's so many other projects I have going on right now in my day-to-day life, that's like, I the last thing I need to do is sit back and piece together a PC at this point. It's just not gonna be worth my time. So, pay somebody else to do it. Okay, so uh, assuming we don't have any additional thoughts, this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge, we play Doom. Uh, So it's the original Doom released in 1993, but this week I wanted to focus more on the Super Nintendo version that was released in 1995. Uh, So this game was developed by Sculpture Software Incorporated, published by Williams Entertainment. And then the program was not using the Doom engine, but using Randy Linden's version of the reality engine. Uh, The game is a shooter and, of course, uh, great reception over the years. Uh, Still praised today uh, for the the technical prowess that it had back in 93. And, of course, it spawned off tons of different Doom games over the years. So, uh, Mr. Green, how did you end up playing uh, Doom this week?
2: Well, at first I tried to find it on my my phone. Like, I didn't dig super hard on my phone. Um, I originally tried, like the app store and then I was trying to look for some APKs and I, I got fed up with it. Um I did download like a, it's called like Free Doom on, on the App Store, but it it was god awful. So I eventually went to my PC and I you know I did the uh uh Super Nintendo emulator and I downloaded the the Doom. Um I can't remember what website it was from. But um it was a it was kinda tricky getting it on my PC at like or trying to play it in general um especially once i when i tried to do it on my phone first but so you,
0: you did the whole mouse and keyboard though setup. yeah to be able to play okay so you kind of played the super nintendo version but in the old pc style yeah that's pretty cool that's interesting uh what did you think overall in terms of this being a game from
2: 27 years ago oh i love doom i was uh, like i played doom all the time when i was a kid like especially on uh uh, it was the PC version when my cousin had, like, this super old, uh, like, back in the day, like, 98, Windows 98 PC, just, like, Doom and Duke Nukem. So, like, I love the game. The game is fantastic. Like, um, I'm not much for, like, horror games in general, but it's so pixelated that it's, like, is it really horror? No. Yeah, exactly. I would have like, never, would have never thought that. Things. Yeah,
0: and then so. think you're getting injured whenever you pick up an item or something. Yeah. It's was... every every time you pick up a clue, he's like, "Oh, like you didn't get hit. You just picked something up. Like, why?
2: Why does the screen flash whenever you do something?" Yeah, and then like, you, like you see an enemy, and you're like, "What the hell is that supposed to be?" Like, it's like, growling, so shoot it. Yeah, it's, it's are those teeth? Like. What is going on here what are you <laughs> so uh, you look Dana like
0: K. a block dan we obviously played very low resolution versions of this game was the ios version at least upgraded in some capacity
1: not a ton uh the it's it's actually um, i'm pulling it up real quick just so i can kind of look at it and describe what i'm seeing um it's Fairly, you know, it's it's actually pretty true to style Uh, because the originals in a four uh, four by three, they just kind of put that like shrink that in. Um, And then on the sides, you have just like blank space that they allow you to like run your controls in. Um, But it it stays pretty true art style wise. It's not very different. Um, I will say it's actually really floaty, though, like the controls are very floaty from what i'm assuming you guys probably experienced
0: uh yeah a little bit i mean i played it on uh super nintendo so on an actual console and uh yeah i mean it was it was definitely a little floaty for me um overall i would echo mr green's point as well uh with the game itself really just being super pixelated it hasn't aged well at all uh there are some super nintendo games that i still play but i'm like all right cool like this looks good i could sit back i could play this all the way through i got through maybe five or six levels of doom last time like i'm getting a headache like i gotta stop i can't keep doing this so yeah i mean the music in the game is fantastic like i could listen to that soundtrack all day long and enjoy it like that that was one of my key things that i, I took away from that and then the gameplay itself wasn't terrible uh you know i have to consider that it's 27 years old and on a cartridge. And while I was playing it on, um, uh, I guess a tube TV, technically, I forget the technical terms on that. It's on a flat screen. Uh, so graphically, it wasn't terrible uh, for me as much as it could have been if I had it stretched on like a 1080p or 4K. Uh, but overall, it's it was doom. It was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's get into some of the nuts and bolts on this one, man so for a super nintendo version of this game you're looking at if you want to get this thing complete in box 85.99 complete in box and that is currently at its peak and it is trending up so that's kind of scary and then loose 3165 it is also currently at its peak and it's also trending up no idea why outside of the COVID effect on games that this would be trending up uh, seeing as there are so many ways to play this game via PC, other consoles, Game Boy Advance has a version as well, uh, 3DO, Sega Saturn, I believe, so it's all over the place. And so when we look at the most expensive version, you're looking at a complete in box Super Famicom version sitting at 107.51. dollars uh, so obviously it's the Japanese version, and then you've got the uh, cheapest version being PAL Sega Saturn at 13.93. and a Super Famicom, sorry. Um, yeah, I believe that was a Japanese. I'd have to refer back to uh, price charting on that. So with those prices, we'll go based off the 3165 uh that's noted there. Do you guys think this game 27 years old, tons of ways to play it? Is 3165 an inflated price for this game? So uh Dan and Kay, we'll start with you on
1: that one. Well, yeah, so I paid five dollars for the iOS port. Uh, you're talking about all the ways to play. It. There's actually like a community of people who try to get Doom to play on everything, right? You can get it on a TI-85, which is a calculator. You can get mm-hmm. it on. I've seen people uh, hack Doom onto what was that MacBook uh, that had the uh, like five by like 32 little touchpad uh, right above the keyboard. I saw people hack it onto those uh, and actually play it like on a little touchpad. Uh, I've seen people hack it onto their company printers with the LCD screens. Like there's just so many ways people can play this game. Um, the 3165, I kind of feels a little inflated, uh, but probably not by much. I can imagine if it's an original cartridge, I'd probably be willing to pay about $20 for it. Um, so, uh, an inflation of 1160 or, uh, yeah, 1165. Isn't I guess isn't probably terrible for something that's loose like that,
0: Mr. Green? Where are you at on that?
2: Uh, I I definitely would say that it's inflated, um, especially since I played the game for free 99. Yeah, so <laughs> uh, yeah, from my standpoint, yeah, it would be inflated for me. Um, now, when it comes to like collectors, especially since like the new Derm- Doom Eternal came out um i'm sure there's it sparked a lot of uh people who are like oh i want to try out the old games and you know get the original stuff I, like i can see how that price increased from that um but i don't think it's worth it on my end because i i didn't spend any money on it
0: so uh when i first kind of brought this game up my thought was like oh doom's like 10 or 15 bucks like that's where my mind was, because having worked in a game store years ago, we would sell Doom for like fifteen bucks. So not to say like I'm out of touch and it, it just didn't occur to me like this game could have gone so high up in price. It in my mind it was like it's Doom. Like why would it go up in price so high? Because there's it's available everywhere. So why would you want to pay that much money for a cartridge version? So when I saw thirty one sixty five, I was like, that is Way too much. I mean, I'm looking at like 15 to 20 bucks is the max I would pay on a game like that. And that's even pushing it for me just because it's so widely available and easy to find. Like that's same thought as you guys. So um, all right, so let's uh, let's think overall. So we've got some great music in the game. Obviously it's super pixelated. Uh, the game is super easy to find, easily accessible on a majority of consoles out there and even older consoles as well as PC in current times and available for free 99 if uh you go Mr. Green's Mr. Green's way. And uh yeah, so I think we're all kind of in agreement this game is inflated at its current price on the Super Nintendo. Not to say it's inflated on mobile or you know, the calculator or anything like that, but Super Nintendo version we're going to go ahead and say is inflated.
2: I'm so, going to uh, have to make a uh, a little mark there. Uh piracy is bad. Don't pirate pirate stuff. Yeah, don't do it. Yeah, support
0: the devs, guys. Yeah. And we, we do. We do. It's, sometimes you just don't want to pay seven hundred dollars for uh you know, Flintstone's Dinosaur Peak. <laughs> like, or Little Samson or Stadium Events twenty thousand dollars, whatever price it's going for. You guys, don't don't kill me. I was doing it for research. Research purposes always. No, in, in all honesty, like I I oftentimes, even if we play a game via emulator, which I did not download myself, I was given it. Um, I always try to get the Super Nintendo game if I can, uh, if I can afford it. <laughs> this is the key thing. So, we did, uh, what was it? Super R Type recently, actually, on a previous episode. And we're in the middle of talking, and I go to Ryan, I'm like, okay, I just had a recent pickup of Super R Type. Like, I literally was just on eBay buying it right on the spot. So, anytime I can get it. All right, guys, well, uh, thanks again for being on uh, episode 94 to Game Flitters podcast. If you want to give a quick shout out to uh, where folks can find you.
1: Yeah, so again, next to nothing, the podcast is live on my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Danny K, D-A-N-I-E-C-A-E, every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. You can also find us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are found.
0: So you can find us on thegameinflators.com. You can also find us on Spotify, Apple, uh, iTunes, Podcast Addict and anywhere podcasts are found as well as uh, Instagram and Facebook at TheGameDeflators and Twitter at Game Uh As always, uh, thanks again for coming on. Next week we'll have Ryan back on board uh, as he's out of town and we'll figure out what our next inflation deflation is. This has been episode 94 of The Game Deflators podcast. My name's John. And uh, I've been joined by the Next Nothing podcast, Danny Kaye and Mr. Green Elite. And thanks for listening.